Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, onyx stones. How many of you have ever seen onyx? Okay, you know the most beautiful onyx, I think, comes from Mexico. They got it's it's beautiful down there. This onyx stone is, you know, you can almost see the layers. If you get the kind of like the clear onyx, see the layers. It's there. So it says in the in in verse nine that they were to take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the children of Israel. Two precious stones, two precious onyx stones, one for six names, six tribes, the other for six names, the other six tribes, and they were engraved beautiful stones. And, and the Lord shows that, the stones. He sees, he sees precious things. The Lord sees precious things. It says that in Job 28.10. Job 28.10, it says, His eye seeth every precious thing. And onyx is described in Job 28.16, Job 28.16, the precious onyx. Precious. That's what it's called, precious. And that's the word that God used to describe men, in Lamentations 4.2. Lamentations 4.2, he says, the precious sons of Zion, comparable to fine gold. He says in Isaiah 13.12, Isaiah 13.12, I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. As a matter of fact, when, when the Lord sees an, an immoral woman, an adulteress, trying to hunt down a man, through moral defilement, what does God see? He sees a woman who is Proverbs 6.26. Proverbs 6.26. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Precious life. The adulteress will hunt for the... He sees a woman hunting for the precious life. We all know, as we just heard, John 3.16. Thank you, David. Thank you, Sam, for calling on David. Thank you, David, for volunteering. And so John 3.16, as David quoted that to us, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes into him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, in the first part of that verse, it says, for God so loved the world. How did God love the world that rebelled against him, that chose to offend him, that chose to sin against him after God did so much for man? God so loved the world because in spite of all that, God saw man as precious. Psalm 72, 14. Psalm 72, 14. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence and precious shall their blood be in his sight. Psalm 116, 15. 116, 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So God sees man as precious. He alone atones he makes this decision 
to atone for his sin. And he says, I've loved you. I've loved you. Isaiah 43, 4, 4, Isaiah 43, 4. Since thou was precious in my sight, I have loved thee. Psalm 49, 8, Psalm 49, 8. The redemption of their soul is precious. He knows, God knows, man's soul is not stopping to, to, to be with the death of the body. God knows man's soul will endure forever through eternity. And man's soul is precious in his sight. And that's the point where God got involved in this great decision. And this great decision that God made has a negative side, has a positive side. The great decision to atone for man has a negative side and a positive side. The positive, the, the positive and the negative. The, the, the negative, negative in 2 Peter 3, 9, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's 2 Peter 3, 9. So he looks at all men, and he has a negative, negative view. I don't want anybody to be cast into hell. That's God's negative view, and that causes his decision to atone. There's a positive part, a positive part. On the other hand, 1 Timothy 2, 4, 1 Timothy 2, 4, he will have all men to be saved. He'll have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the positive. He makes this great decision because he sees the preciousness of man's soul and he gives for that soul precious blood. Precious blood of the Lord Jesus. 1 Peter 1.18. 1 Peter 1.18. As much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. So that's the reason why God chose these precious stones, these onyx stones, to go onto the shoulders. And of all the places, of all the places on the body where God could have decided to put those precious onyx stones, he decides to put them on the shoulders, on the shoulders of the high priest. Because the shoulders are a place where weights are carried, like Samson, Samson, who got up one night, Judges 16.3, Judges 16.3, Samson lay till midnight, arose at midnight, took the doors of the gate of the city, the two posts, and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill before Hebron. The Lord Jesus did something very, very personal for each one of us. He bore our personal griefs and sorrows. And that was a burden to him. That's what it says in, in Isaiah 53, 4. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and our sorrows. Sorrows. That was very personal to the Lord Jesus. He bore our personal griefs, our personal sorrows. We all have personal griefs and sorrows. There's a grief and a sorrow to having a loved one die. And the Lord Jesus bears that personal grief and sorrow when we have a loved one die. Just as we saw him do about Lazarus, Lazarus in um, John eleven thirty three. John eleven thirty three. when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? And they said, the Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And they said, behold how he loved him. See, when the Lord Jesus saw Mary and the others there weeping, he was, he was troubled. 
he groaned in his spirit. He was troubled. Why? Because he was bearing their personal griefs and their sorrows because of the, over the death of Lazarus. That's why the names of the children of Israel were on the shoulders of the high priest, the place where burdens are carried. We all have personal and griefs and sorrows and, and sicknesses. If you don't, just wait a while, you will. <laughs> and there's a particular personal heavy grief and sorrow when you find out you have a medical condition which cannot be cured. It just sounds so terrible, an incurable disease. Actually, we all do have incurable disease, and it eventually will kill us. But anyway, of all the medical conditions in the scriptures, of all the medical conditions that the Lord Jesus healed, they were all incurable diseases. They were all incurable diseases. That's why we see the Lord Jesus bearing in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the personal burdens of incurable diseases when the people came to him. He cured these incurable diseases. He did it in the case of the centurion's servant where it says in Matthew 8.13, Matthew 8.13, Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way as thou hast believed, so shall it be done. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever and he touched her hand and the fever left her. She arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. It was not that he saw somebody sick and he just healed the person and it had no effect on him. When he healed the person, it deeply affected him. He bore that burden. That's why it says in Matthew 8, 17, Matthew 8, 17, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses, very personal grief and sorrow, sicknesses, and demon possessions, demon possessions. We see him deeply affected also when he healed that woman who had this incurable disease for 12 years of blood just running out of her Mark 5.25, Mark 5.25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood, 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. That ought to be part of the bylaws of the American Medical Association. Anyway, when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall behold straightway the fountain. Not just a trickle, a fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body the body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Why did he feel that virtue that had gone out of him? Because he bore that personal grief and that sorrow of that 12-year-old issue of blood when he healed her. He deeply felt the grief and the sorrow. And it's expressed in this term, virtue going out from him. She was constantly having to eat and replenish the blood that was just running out. And he bore that grief. He bore that sorrow. He bore her grief and sorrow over the failures of the physicians when she came to them with great expectations and paid all the money that she had to them to heal her. 
He bore that grief and that sorrow of being penniless from the payments to the doctors and still having the unstoppable's fountain of blood, her lifeblood, fountain of her lifeblood going out from her. He bore all these personal griefs and those sorrows. That's why the names of the tribes of Israel were on the shoulders of the high priest to illustrate how the great high priest, the Lord Jesus, bore all our griefs and sorrows. Isaiah 53, 4. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, just think now of the Lord Jesus when he gave the illustration of how he seeks the lost, he saves the lost, he brings the lost back to God. And he described this when he said in Luke 15, 4, Luke 15, 4, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. So there's a shepherd. He leaves his 99 sheep, and he goes and finds that one sheep that had became lost. And when he finds it, he lays that sheep on his shoulders and brings it back. That's a picture of the high priest. There's a reason why the Jewish people are called the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Because just as the high priest bore the names of the children of Israel on his shoulders... So the great high priest seeks us, saves us, and brings us back to God like the shepherd who put the lost sheep on his shoulders. So we've seen the reason why the names are, are on the, born on the shoulders of the high priest, to show us our great high priest and how he bears our personal griefs and sorrows. Our griefs and our sorrows are very personal to him. Our griefs, our personal griefs and sorrows are very personal to him. As it says in Isaiah 53, 7, Isaiah 53, 7, he was afflicted. He was afflicted. Isaiah 63, 9, Isaiah 63, 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. Now, all of this is to show us that there's also another reason that the high priest wore the the names on, their, on his shoulders. And it's given in verse 12. Because they're called, and thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial. And in the end of that verse, upon his two shoulders for a memorial. Stones of memorial. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his shoulders for a memorial. This is the second reason. This is another reason why the priest had the names on his shoulder, shoulders for a memorial, for a memorial. Just not, think of how he looked. Just think of how the high priest looked. Every time the high priest would turn, he has, you, you would see these engraved names on his shoulders. They just would flash into view on the two beautiful onyx stones. Every time the high priest would appear before the Lord, you could not miss the names of the children of Israel just think of how the high priest was committed to the children of Israel. In a sense, they became his identity. The high priest could, could not say, well, okay, I'm finished with my work today. I'm finished with the Jewish people, as a matter of fact. All oh, their sin, their calf-making, they're wanting to stone Moses. I'm done. He couldn't say that because the engraved stones, the onyx stones, were on his shoulders. And those stones showed that he was linked personally to the children of Israel. 
And this linking, this linking of the high priest to the children of Israel is seen in the great high priest, in the great high priest, who it says, it says this in Hosea 11.1. Hosea 11.1 says, when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. We read a verse like that, and we say, oh, yeah, I know what that's talking about. That's when the, 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 the Jewish people, the children of Israel, were, were in Egypt, and then God called them out of Egypt. He loved them, called them out of Egypt. That's clear. But then you read something interesting, strange almost. In Matthew 2.13, Matthew 2.13, with that verse in mind, it says about Mary and Joseph, Mary and Joseph, when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, this is when they're down in Egypt. This is when Mary and Joseph were down in Egypt. Arise, take the young child and his mother. Well, this is before they go there, sorry. Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. Flee into Egypt. And be there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. Now when we read that the Lord Jesus was in Egypt and he came out and that that was a fulfillment of Hosea 11.1 when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Then we see how the Lord is linked to, to, to Israel, he's, to, he's called Israel in Hosea 11, 1. This is this linkage of the high priests of the children of Israel. It's seen, it's seen there in, uh, with the Lord. It's also seen with Moses, who right after Israel had made this golden calf, and, and the Lord told Moses, I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to just remove them off of the face of the earth. And I'm Moses, I'm going to start all over again with you. I'm going to make a new people out of you. And then Moses said in Exodus 32, 30, Exodus 32, 32, 32, 32, Exodus, yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. You know, Moses, what he didn't say, he didn't say to God, you know what, God, you're right. I'm pretty angry with them too. As a matter of fact, I broke those tablets you gave me. I agree. Let's do it. Let's do it. Wipe them out. Start all over from, with me. I'm up for it. No, that's not what Moses said. What Moses said is this. If you will not forgive their sin and you want to wipe them out, start with me. Wipe me out. Wipe me out first because I'm so linked to the children of Israel that I'll go down with them. Yeah telling you about my rabbi friend, I told him, then he, he, says, he says to me, go evangelize the Gentiles. That's fine. Don't evangelize the Jewish people. Leave them alone. I said, what? I said, I love the Jewish people. I said, I could die for the Jewish people. He said, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> Moses said, I would die for the Jewish people. That's what Paul said. In Romans 9.3, Romans 9.3, For I could worship myself accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. In essence, Moses was saying, when you look at me, God, I want you to see the children of Israel. Moses could have said, when you look at me, I want you to see the children of Israel, just like the high priest wore the names of the children of Israel on his two shoulders. 
That's what's meant by this term, stones of memorial, in Exodus 28, 12. Exodus 28, 12. Stones from a memorial bear their names upon before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. It was to always to keep the children of Israel in, God, in God's view so that God would never forget about them. Because even though man, with his replacement theology, may want to forget about the Jewish people, God wants to never forget them. What would it be like if you had a bad son and someone said to you, you know what, disown him, disown him. Get it. I, I, I'll get you another son. Uh, God says, Isaiah 49, 14, Isaiah 49, 14. Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me. My Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. As a memorial, God wanted the engraved stones to be on the shoulder of the priest. And God wants us also to remind him of the lost condition of the Jewish people when he commands in Isaiah 62, 6. Isaiah 62, 6. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace, day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Give him no rest till he establish, till he make Jerusalem praise in the earth. Psalm 122.6, Psalm 122.6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Being a watchman is to pray for the lost. And being a watchman has another side which is given to us in Ezekiel 3.17. Ezekiel 3.17. Son of man, I've made thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of my mouth and give them warning from me. Being a watchman is also to warn the lost that they are heading for hell and point them to the way of salvation in the Lord Jesus. So what we've seen today is why God wanted to have the names of Israel engraved on precious onyx stones because every soul is precious to the Lord. And he wants every soul to be saved from their sins and he doesn't want any soul to be cast into hell. And we've also seen why God had these, these engraved stones on the shoulders of the high priest to illustrate how the great high priest, the Lord Jesus, bears our personal griefs and sorrows and to show us that the great high priest is constantly reminding the Father of us. That's his work of intercession from Hebrews 7.25. Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. So just as the high priest had the stones of memorial for God, the Lord Jesus is always in intercession for us. What does this all mean? And it means the high priest bore the names on his shoulders. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for giving us this illustration here in these stones of memorial. And help us, Lord, to be faithful as the high priest. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. The Creation and Earth History Museum is excited to present our Israel Live summer trips in June, July, and August. Experience a trip to the Holy Land where you'll walk in the footsteps of Jesus and His Apostles, visit some of the most important sites to human history, and seek to make friendships with Jewish people that'll last a lifetime and into eternity. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel, one friendship at a time. For more info, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org.